0: COVID-19 is not the only force disrupting transportation systems and mobility. The rise of mobility-as-a-service systems, such as Uber, Grab, and other smart mobility solutions, continue to impact the sector too in new and unforeseen ways, particularly in Asia and the Pacific's growing cities. In this podcast, Satish Ukusuri a civil engineering professor at Purdue University and director of its Urban Mobility Networks and Intelligence Lab, discusses the move towards mobility as a service or mass systems and their implications for the future of sustainable urban development in the region.
1: The last 10 years, we have seen a rapid transformation of this mobility landscape due to the convergence of technology, the smartphones, and the apps that are there within the smartphones. So it has revolutionized how we look at transportation, every form of transportation, the movement of goods. And people. So we have Uber for taxis, we have Peloton for trucking, so various kinds of technology that has impacted how we actually move both the long-haul and short-haul transportation. So this convergence is really changing how cities have to respond to these type of uh, goods movements and people movements. There's a lot of advantages why people are using this. One, certainly convenience is a big reason why people want to use this. Two, it provides real-time information and connectivity to these services when and wherever they want. You're no longer a tourist wherever you go, right? So you can easily get a cab even if I go to Singapore or come to Tokyo. And ride sharing, so you can kind of pool with people, thereby reducing the costs. And so it's saving money for a lot of people and providing. Kind of money and jobs for many drivers, right? So, this is the ride sharing economy or the sharing economy, more broadly speaking. So, there are significant advantages, and there's been a lot of hype about these advantages. So, if you go back to like 2010, 2012, there'll be a lot of articles in terms of the advantages and how this industry is reshaping cities. Then we have to look at the complete picture. So we need to really also look at the costs that these, te- these systems actually impose on the cities and on the people, the citizens who actually live within the cities. So which means there are also inequalities which these technologies actually result in, both for drivers as well as for the riders and the service providers. So we need to kind of look at that picture as well. And we need to quantify the externalities, the costs that they actually impose on cities. And we need to kind of be very careful and uh, rigorous in terms of how we actually compute this cost.
0: Ukusuri describes the rapid growth of mobility as a service systems and the key factors behind it.
1: Let's first look at the drivers related to these technologies. So there are three main uh, drivers related to why these technologies have become very popular. The first, of course, is the smartphone growth, right? So they are almost. It is predicted. This was. These are predictions from 2015 that there are going to be two billion smartphones in the world. And my recent statistics show that there are actually two billion smartphones just in the Asia Pacific region. So we have already exceeded this number of two billion smartphones in the world. And what are people using it for? They're using it for location-based services. They're using it for getting a taxi. They're using it for getting uh, goods like Amazon Prime. Uh, next uh, next day delivery, right? And so the people's travel behavior is changing for the kind of trips that they actually make. This is one big driver, the growth of the smartphone uh, usage and what people are using it for. The second is the number of sensors and the availability of cheap sensors in the smart platforms, right? So if you t- take a typical car like Toyota or Honda, I mean, it had about 200 plus sensors. Now a Tesla or um, a BMW has about 500, 600 plus sensors. So, the number of sensing for lane deviations and this ability of these cars to talk with the infrastructure, talk with other cars, has grown significantly in the last 10, 15 years. The technology has significantly improved. These have become inexpensive. So, what does this do? This actually makes the transportation ecosystem more connected. And cities are actually becoming connected villages within this transportation ecosystem, right? So citizens are better connected with the, what the agencies can provide. Agencies are better connected with the needs of these citizens. So this is the second driver that we actually see. That's uh, that's actually pushing this trend forward. And the third driver, or the third factor, which kind of contributes to this mass kind of a platforms, is the change of the typical traveler itself and their ability to use these kind of services right so if you see the data um, about 80% of the us adults are actually using these smartphones right and they're using it for what kind of things they're using it for of course for communication with uh, their kids facebook twitter and so on but also they're using it for like mobility purposes they're using it for uber they're using it for lyft and amazon and so on right so last year statistics they are about 40 to 45 million Uber users in the U.S. alone. APAC region, right? I mean, there, are, as I mentioned, there are about two billion smartphones and a growing number of users on these kind of mass platforms like Grab and Uber and so on. Right. So you can pick any platform wherever you are in Asia or U.S. or Europe. You know, you, the, the platform might be different, but the underlying challenges and opportunities are very, very similar.
0: Mukusuri goes on to explain the significance of mobility as a service provider's success, policy policymaking and the future of urban development.
1: Now, the next question is, so what? What can you do? How can you inform policy making and decision making with this? And that's really our focus, right? So we want to use all of this data to kind of allow cities to make decisions and to allow them to kind of improve the operations of the transportation systems, but also look at the impacts that are there. And we mine this trajectory data and analyze the trip patterns. And we explore how these mobility service providers improve the driver matching efficiency. And we evaluate this with the traditional taxi system.
0: Ukasuri concludes by highlighting new imperatives for ensuring the development of equitable, inclusive, and sustainable shared mobility solutions in Asia and
1: the Pacific. Potential collaborations that we could develop with ADBI and ADB In the smart city space, we would like to kind of explore this impact assessment of uh, particularly in Asian cities as to how these inequalities kind of play out and what are the externalities that are there due to this smart mobility. Especially, we need to look at this entire ecosystem and how do we do financing for these kind of uh, technologies considering these holistic impacts. Then, second, we want to look at e mobility and its impact in Asia. A lot of interest in India. Countries, developing countries like India and Indonesia, where there's nexus of electricity with mobility, like solar and wind and battery. Then, looking at financing and insurance options, like autonomous transportation is going to change the insurance industry. And how do we kind of do more user-based insurance rather than a location-based insurance as a whole? Urban logistics and trade impacts, and then anything related to COVID and impacts on transportation. And how do we make this uh, transit system? more resilient to these kind of shocks in the future. This has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo. See the show notes for the transcript and related material. For more information about us, please visit adbi.org.